Hi, Eddie here. Red and I have used Zencaster to record all of our episodes of Punk Rock Elite because it's easy, browser-based, and it gives us separate tracks that are easy for me to edit. It can also be used for 4K video too. Maybe we'll try that one day. It's really easy to use. It can do a lot of the editing for you, clipping out your ums and ahs, and adding an EQ to bring out the best in your voice, all from a single website. If you want to make a podcast but aren't sure how to go about it, then Zencaster provides everything you need to record, edit and distribute your new show to Spotify, Apple and a ton of other places that people get their podcasts. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code PUNKROCKELITE and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs it's time to share your story. Punk Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. One more time. There we go, that's a, a song from the past. So that's as good an intro as any. Punk Rock Elite. <laughs> a podcast about no effects. And you know what? For once, we're ruddy bloody talking about ruddy bloody no effects. I'm Eddie French, and I'm here with... Me, Rad Redmond. Hi, Red. Yeah, we're, we're finally, we promised you, and it's taken us till middle of February, but we are back with interviews about no effects. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we know. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, we know we've been, we've had a couple of things. Uh, we've been doing all the albums. We've been doing a lot of Home Street Home. Uh, it was two episodes, but those episodes were a lot, and we appreciate that. Again, well done to anyone who, who made it through those. Mark yourself as safe. Well done. We're proud of you. <laughs> we really are. Um, and if you have gone and watched it, um I go, go and watch it there is something in there there's there's something in there we've spoken about it a lot but we're still so, you know when there's sort of like there's been a spillage of something and you keep finding bits of it everywhere even though you thought you cleaned up we're doing that with home street home sort of going around going i thought we'd spoken about all of that oh we've just found a bit more but so we'll uh we'll leave that for now um yesterday we've got an interview with john from zero cost is pretty exciting i'm sure you'll agree yeah absolutely like i was really happy to like finally get to talk to john properly yeah um because he's a good lad and he's supported yeah. the podcast and um we like to get people on who are friends of the podcast absolutely uh and also uh zero cost are connected to the punk and droblick tribute album which you should all be well aware of by now if you well if you've listened to our special announcement which came out on wednesday just gone uh, if not, uh, we're doing a tribute album to Punk and Droblick to celebrate its 30th anniversary. You can find out a lot more information in that episode. Recommend that. But basically, us and the Midlife Punk podcast guys, Niall and Tom, are putting together a huge thing. And it's just becoming huger and huger. And we're really, really excited about it. And we'll be telling you more information as and when we know about it. So that's pretty good. How have you been, Red? Yeah, I've been very well, thank you. Uh, just 
busy with work and boring things, things that do not deserve any plugging or, you know, just boring, boring, you know, like, uh, you know, like fucking buying new bedding, stuff like that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So not, oh, wow. Yeah, no, right. (laughs) I've been to Dunnell Mills. I've lived a life. Haven't you? Goodness me. That's, (sighs) yeah. Um. So I just realised that bedding has to be bought. It doesn't just exist. Yeah, it doesn't that's, just arrive. That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> like, well, what am I supposed to do with this bed? Well, <laughs> this doesn't look like my bed. Well, no, you need to put bedding on it. What? <laughs> so, um, but bedding, that's a verb. How do I buy some? Oh, shit, I've got my show on Saturday. Whee! Um, yeah, I'm doing, doing um, a poser at the Leicester comedy festival at the lcb depot courtyard room at 6 20 p.m on saturday uh you can also find me uh doing a short set at the jokes on us early show uh, i can't remember the venue but it is at about 3 p.m around there so um that's it so we'll see if anyone shows up uh that'll be that'll be really really good as it happens i'm actually driving to Leicester tonight to do a uh, a show. This will have gone. This will have happened by the time the show comes out. And I do yeah. comedy arcade with Vic Slayton. Great uh, this evening. So that's kind of fun. Uh, looking forward to that. But um, we're actually going to. We're recording this on a Friday, uh, on Friday the sixteenth. We're actually going to be seeing each other in real mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, and we're going to be seeing Tom and Niall of Midlife Punk Podcast because tomorrow is the very first band practice of Midlife Elite. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah. I've, you know, I haven't played a guitar in two years. I realized, I don't know, something happened halfway through lockdown where I was like, I just stopped playing for, for a long time. Oh, wow. Um, so it's been really fun to like try and get back into playing. And, uh, you know, I, I think... And I do want to, you know, manage your expectations a little bit. I do think I'm going to be our band's Melvin. Okay, I'm I'm coming to it with very little natural talent, but I I do think over our rehearsal process I may improve. I mean, to be honest, we've got about eight <laughs> hours to get two songs correct. Yeah, and well, I think got, I've got them we've down. Got, we've I got think. eight hours to get two songs good enough. That my friend Ajit can fix them in post. <laughs> <laughs> it's, for Ajit. me, it's like um, it's learning, like the like. I, I don't think I ever properly learn punk rhythms, and particularly like no effects rhythms are so. Um, I mean, if you if if you you haven't got the, it doesn't matter if you're playing the right note. You, you need to get the rhythm as well. It's um, uh, they. I've heard it called the banana rhythm. Yeah, oh, banana rhythm, banana banana banana, 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 banana. Yeah. So just remember bananas. That'll do. In fact, Absolutely. remember bananas in general because the potassium will stop your hands cramping up as well. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's good. Now I've I've not played in a band for a very long time. I've played I play guitar fairly fairly frequently. I have one right next to my desk. Um, uh, uh, most times, uh, very often, if I'm just doing admin, there will be one sat on my lap. But I don't think I've actively practiced it. I've really just done the same shit over and over again. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I hope Tom and Niall don't hear this. Oh, they won't hear it before the first rehearsal. Because so <laughs> um, 
I've got they're... I've got like a nice guitar as well, but I've not looked after it. It's all like discolored, but in a punk cool way. Discoloration's fine as long as it still plays and like stays in tune. And... Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh right. Well, in that case, that's fine. According to the uh, episode, uh, the special bonus announcement. Uh, it was Tom who suggested this, so we can't be seen to... This isn't our vanity project. <laughs> it is our vanity, but not our vanity project. But yeah, Tom Tom has uh, been more actively in bands than I think all three of us, or all three of the other ones uh, in the band. So uh, recently, and he, uh, he suggested it because he didn't have a band to be in. So he's like, well, let's be in a band. And we're like, okay, fine. And then uh, we realized that we said okay to a thing and had to do it. Uh, the the chap I mentioned, Ajit, earlier, he is the owner uh, of, of Hellfire Studios in Birmingham. I went to university with Ajit, and that is where we are going to be recording our tracks for the compilation. So um, just wanted to clear that up in case people are like, I don't know who this Ajit is. Are you adding another one of your stupid characters to this? Uh, no, Ajit is real. <laughs> um, he's great. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's very exciting. So we're going to be going to Sheffield to uh, do... And, well, two of us are already in Sheffield uh, and the other two are going to be going to Sheffield. And we'll find out. I'm, I'm basically, today, I'm just looking for the spare guitar strings I know I have so I can change the strings on my guitar and then go to Leicester. I understand yeah. I understand everyone listening who have real jobs going, that doesn't really sound like a great deal of bother. You have to remember, um, <laughs> you also probably have a much nicer life than I do. So, <laughs> so you know, small things get worse, I guess. But uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, very exciting. But that, uh, a band who are already know what they're doing, Mm-hmm. have got proven chemistry together a zero cost from hull absolutely and uh i saw them recently i, I talk about it in the in the interview so uh, we'll talk about that but yeah i got given their last ep um uh john was very kind to uh, let me have and so uh yeah they're they're really really good um do check them out there's all all their information is in the description and let's have a punk rock elite, old school style chat about no effects. What a novelty. We'll see you <laughs> on the other side of this intro. And we're back with that very interview, our return to the interview format with which we made our minimal mark on this world. <laughs> The mark which is easily wiped off with a damp handkerchief. But we're back, uh, and Red and I are joined by John from Zero Cost. Hi, John. Hi, folks. How are we doing? Good, good. Yeah, Thank good. you. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I'm just sat here in my very boring white box, admiring your much more interesting rooms that you have. We do. Um, You've got the more interesting hoodie, though. You've got a Descendants hoodie on. That's yeah. true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you got this, yeah. Red appears to be in uh, some sort of dressing gown. Oh yeah, dressing gown with my with my lad Mel t shirt. Obviously, oh, nice. Does that <laughs> nice. does that count as working from home? Uh, yeah, I think t-shirt. I think technically I am currently working from home. <laughs> oh nice. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm wearing a, a Return to the Forbidden Planet uh, B movie t shirt because because um, it's fun. It's got loads of writing on the back of it though, and I haven't had t shirts with writing on the back for a long time. 
because uh, I got old and started getting colder, so now I wear more things over. I'm, not, I'm no longer a one-layer individual. Yeah, you can have... tell we've not done interviews for a time. I have uh, I have a couple of jumpers on here myself. Yes, that's the uh, that's what happens. I mean, I mean, we really should have been called the Midlife Punk Podcast. I don't know why we let them get away with that. And you know what? No, because it does get cold. It does. No, it does. That's the problem these days. It does. People say people say the world's getting warmer. Well, not around mine. It's not. I've got to put three jumpers on. So there you go. Put that in your science and smoke it anyway. So. Um, Good, yes. John, uh, Zero Cost, uh, Hull-based band, um, please tell us about your uh, secret origins and those of Zero Cost as well, in, in your own words, please. Uh, all right, we'll start with Zero Cost. Uh, Zero Cost was a band that was born uh, during the COVID lockdown. Um, so being uh, working from home, um, spending a lot of time, uh, in my house with not very much to do, I uh, started writing songs again. I, I started playing in bands uh, probably around 2000 um, when I was still a teenager and then got a little bit older, had children, um, got a career and, and sort of drifted away from those things. I would still occasionally attend local gigs, um, but yeah, it was the, lo- the lockdown point where I suppose I had uh, that midlife crisis and decided to uh, start writing songs again uh, put some songs together um, guy who I work with Calvin uh, was a drummer and I knew that he was interested in punk and metal um, so I approached him to play drums and then um, another chap Ash who I had played in some covers bands with some sort of standard pub rock covers bands with who I knew was definitely interested in metal and somewhat interested in punk um, and also an absolute ripping guitarist uh, approached him to play guitar and, and it went from there. So as lockdown started to ease, we, we started rehearsing in 2021, um, playing gigs locally, um, recording music. And that's where we are now, really. Um, in terms of my personal journey in, into punk, um, I really got into it in the, I'd say probably about 97, 98. And as would be typical for people getting into punk at that time, I started off with the sort of road in was um, friends showing me Nirvana's Nevermind, Green Day's Dookie, um, listening to those albums <clears throat> and went from there. And I was thinking about it, the Nirvana and Green Day would have been the first bands that, that I listened to. Um, from that era and then probably the next band was no effects i think i i actually listened to no effects before i even heard um, bands like the offspring mm-hmm. um, certainly certainly before blink because as you will remember blink really weren't much of a phenomenon in this country until about 1999 when enema of the state came out so for me it was the path was nirvana green day no effects and from there you start to discover the compilation albums that Epitaph and Fat Records put out. Mm. Um, would go to Andy's Records and pick up anything that had the Fat Record Epitaph label on. And those compilation albums were, were a game changer in particular. Um, the Punkorama 4, the one that had the picture of the beaten up kid who looked like he'd been in some sort yeah. of skating incident on the front of it. 
um, or mosh pit incident, I think it said it was called. Uh, oh, he's got two, two black eyes, and they're like two proper big swollen purple black eyes. It's really quite yes. gruesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that you know that one had um, no effects. Bad religion, rancid, Pennywise. You know the the big, mm. the big not quite mainstream, just the next layer down bands of that era. Um, the, the, the top tier epitaph, band, for sure. Like the, yeah. yeah, and then and survival of the fattest. Um, oh yeah, and physical fatness, the second and third, fat wreck compilations, absolute game changers. Those albums, and it opens you up to you know, the the next tier and the tier below that down of, of, of bands. Um, and so got really into Bad Religion. I, I think when I first, Bad Religion for me, when I first saw the logo, that was the thing that attracted me to it before the music, and yeah. which is an in, interesting point because when you read Bad Religion's story about that logo and the name, they that was the thing for them as well. They wanted to piss people off. Mm. With the name and the logo, sure. and that very much appealed to teenage me. Um, <laughs> and then I, I got hold of um, I got hold of a cassette copy of Twenty um, First Century Digital Boy that someone my dad worked with his son had passed it along. Oh, yeah. um, and obviously the the tracks that were on the compilation albums, um, and yeah, so got into bands. Like Bad Religion, Propagandi, um, you know, all, all those Epifat era bands. Um, and your, that your, was... dad, your dad certainly had cooler friends than my dad. My dad played golf with the dads of one of the members of British Sea Power. So that's how I got their <laughs> first album. And I was like, and I was right in the middle of a very similar story to the one you're telling. I was like, the well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I thank you. I suppose that was that was a, a kindness, but well, I, I mean, my my dad had no no understanding of the music or the scene at all, and um, I think it was just this this guy. His son had this collection of vaguely alternative rock music, and I remember him just coming home with this this armful of like cassettes and CDs and. There were a couple among them that were of interest to me, one of them being the Bad Religion one, but it, there was also a lot of things like um, uh, Def Leppard and Extreme and, and some, oh, right. some you know, obscure, like, arena rock stuff that I really wasn't interested in. Stuff that was way more popular in the US than it was over here. <laughs> and I know we're talking about, you know, the, this this genre of skate punk was also kind of more popular in the US than the UK. Sure, it, yeah. You know, I mean, we we got we got Green Day over here. That was big, but it's not like Green Day were on top of the pops and stuff. But it's not like Rancid were on top of the pops. Offspring didn't get on top of the pops until like Pretty Fly for a White Guy and stuff. And so, you know, the when people the, some international listeners might be thinking, oh well, the, it, was it happening the same way? Not really. We we mm. got we got Green Day because I think Smash had a, did a bit of business over here, but not. Not the way that Green Day did. Green Day were just everywhere for a bit, and then um, that one and Nimrod. They the Insomniac wasn't as popular over here, but Nimrod they were doing like Hitching a Ride and Time of Your Life on top of the pops and stuff, which um, people only now know as uh, a source of seventies pedophiles. But it did also <laughs> used to be a pretty much the most the most common way of of hearing 
new music uh, on television. You know, it was, uh, mm-hmm. and it was weird because that was already stuff that was popular in the charts, but it was, I don't know, the charts were a bit more meritocratous in those days, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And that, you know, bearing in mind it was, you know, it, it would have been, I turned 13 in 1997. Um, and that would have been around the time that I, I first started getting into into music like that. Prior to that, really, the music that I listened to was the stuff that my parents played in the car, which was largely, you know, 50s and 60s um, pop and rock. Um, mm. But I should mention, and I, I have mentioned this to you previously, Eddie, um, my first mm. punk album I actually received uh, for Christmas. So I was born in August 84. And in Christmas 84, I, released, I received my first... Um, punk record which was um the toy dolls nelly the elephant um <laughs> nice so i Love uh, the toy dolls. yeah yeah that was um so that was interesting and i didn't really realize I, I knew that i vaguely knew in the back of my mind that that record was kicking about at my mum and dad's house and then I, it, it occurred to me a couple of years ago well this was actually my first punk record you know when i was a, <laughs> a baby and then my mum wonders why why I, I got into punk music later in life yeah absolutely <laughs> One of the things that uh, certainly Red and I would like to thank you for, not just appearing on the Punkara- uh, on the Punkarama, on the Punk and Droblick uh, compilation, but also being the first person to recognise us in public as being <laughs> yeah. punk rock elite. <laughs> yeah, oh, I remember now at the No Effects show in Leeds. Absolutely, that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so would. Was it, was it it was before the Mefs had played, wasn't it? I it think. was just before yeah, the Mefs had played, yeah. yeah. We were right at the front for the Mefs because there was only the front for the Mefs because um because the the target audience of this last No Effects tour, uh, irrespective of what uh, the internet are romantically saying is oh, there's like nine generations of families of no effects fans there. There's grandmothers throwing their Zimmer frames around the pit and, <laughs> and embryos just being conceived in the in the pit and all enjoying no effects. Like it's mainly old people. So, you know, a lot of them went, well, I, I'm not taking the afternoon off work. I'll just come later. So a lot of people weren't there for the day and it really started to pick up around <laughs> six or seven and started to get full. So the MEFs, was ba- everyone was on the barrier for the MEFs because there weren't enough people for there to be a second <laughs> row which was a great shame because they were great but yeah that's it, correct it was a shame yeah um the mefs came to hull a few weeks back as well um oh, played, played the one of the best known venues in hull the adelphi oh, yeah. um and yeah we we went to that show as well um but yeah it was it was a real shame that there weren't more people there for for the mefs um we you know we watched the mefs and co-defendants pretty close to the front but mm. by mm. the time the more popular bands like less than jake and comeback kid and no effects were playing we uh, we retreated to the backs it was getting a little bit too raucous <laughs> i think we were we were pretty close to the uh, the desk we were taking up the uh, taking up the uh, the well-tuned ear position of uh well the desk is really where the sound's going to be and it's absolutely <laughs> burn it. um but also we were you know didn't really fancy getting into it because ah, come on been, <laughs> uh, you know been stood up all day um yeah which well, is a shit but i was just I, I also was just like i know i just want to watch this I, I want to really absorb it and i was very pleased that i did but yes you you came up and said uh, are you eddie and red and we said yes we are 
um and uh, you said uh, oh yeah I, I i i like i like the podcast and we were like what <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't know anyone had been listening so uh, so thank you for that john we really appreciate it i mean you know could have said it when there are a few more people in the tent but never mind it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. we're doing fine um but yeah so that was uh, very very fun and um and yeah, and so yeah, we've been sort of uh, chatting ever since. And you, uh, you are one of the first. You were one of the first bands to confirm that you were going to be on the Punk and Droblick tribute album that us and the Midlife Punk podcast are putting together. And I think that uh, we're not. We've not revealed a full lineup, a uh, full track listing as yet. But given that you're here, um, we'll confirm the song you're doing. Do you want to tell us which one you uh, Zero Cost are doing? Absolutely, yeah. We're going to do Jeff Wears Birkenstocks. Nice. And uh, can you show your working? <laughs> show my working? Yeah, I mean, just like you know, like um, uh, why would you choose that one? Oh, okay, because um, you basically had free. You no one had selected anything by the time you got. You you were. It must have just appeared in front of you. You must have been on the computer at the time or something. Because you were just I, like, "Hi, I'd love to, uh, or we'd love to." Jeff, where's Birkenstocks, please? Like, yeah, go, yeah, <laughs> have it. So uh, I was, you could have um, had anything. I was worried when you said uh, show my working that you wanted me to just pull out a guitar and and just start playing. <laughs> oh god! Oh no 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 um, no 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 no. I sorry. I was like, yeah, like um, yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we. Obviously, we didn't want to go for the obvious options. Um, hope We were hoping, and I, I don't know whether this is the case, we were hoping to select a track that no one else would do. Um, okay. But it's not the end of the world if, if, an, if another band are going to do it as well. But mm. obviously, you know, if you would go for something like Linoleum, you know that you're going to get ploughed over by about five, six, seven, maybe ten other bands. Um, and not it's a quite cool- that many, but... Surprise, yeah. surprise, we've got a few linoleum, uh, or a few requests to do linoleum, so yeah. I, I guess a lot of bands maybe already have that in their repertoire, that maybe that's the, uh, the cover that they chuck in, or the, the members of the band already know it, but um, no, we it's a cool song, um, mm-hmm. really like Jeff Wears Birkenstock, so I suggested it to um, Ash and Calvin, they were up for it, um, Ash pretty quickly learned all the, all the guitar parts. We put together a, a rough demo, which which I sent over to you. Oh, yes, I um, remember. So, yeah, we're actually due in the studio on Thursday next week. Oh, wow. And uh, we'll hopefully, yeah, we'll hopefully get that done then. Um, Thursday this week, if you're listening on the day of release. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm, just, I'm always doing day maths in my head <laughs> when we're recording and when this is going out and all the rest of it. Amazing, cool. Um that's uh, proper exciting because uh, the last time I saw you in person was in Bradford with um, uh, Mammoth Tank and Blagged, uh, formerly the Mustard, uh, and King's Alias, who I didn't actually stick around to see. Um, yes, various things anyway. Um, but yeah, and that was at the yeah, the Underground in Bradford. Um, How did you enjoy that? It was good. Um, it's difficult getting people to turn out for for things it's the second time we've played the underground in bradford and it's a fantastic venue it deserves mm. far more support than it than it seems to be getting in terms of people turning out um yeah love that place and we you know hope to go well we are going to go back um we're playing um the bradford punk festival in august um mm. there as well um 
but yeah. Is that is that a multi-venue one or is that uh, an all-day? Uh, no, it's the underground. It, it's just at the underground. Yeah. In cool. fact, if you give me a moment, I'll get the date. Sure. Yeah, we'll put all of this information in the uh, description for people who want to check out Zero Cost and uh, where they might be near them, or or indeed check out Bradford uh, Punk Festival because if it's at the Underground, that's a great place to go. Yeah, it's it's Saturday the tenth of August, oh, and um, yeah, there's uh, if you, I'm sure if you Google it, you can find a list of all the other bands that are playing. But yeah, it's a it's an old day. Um, very much looking forward to that. Hopefully there'll be a few more people out. But yeah, the um, Mammoth Tank were, were very good. Um, Blagged, absolutely fantastic. Really, really rate that band. Um, oh, yeah. re- really enjoyed their set. Um, and we we stuck around for a few songs of King's Alias as well, who, who were excellent. Um, but then we had to hit the road because we all had work the next morning because um, we're old. It happens. <laughs> you had a lot further to go than I did, but uh, I was still. Uh, I th- it had been it had been a week, and as I think I've uh, divulged on, a, on an episode recently, I've not been well. So uh, I was like, "No, I need to. I need to get home." I've. Uh, I but I was thoroughly pleased that I, I felt better for having gone, but uh, I also then felt better for having left without exhausting myself so I know that uh, that's good. just going to uh i've found the running order yeah 15 quid um in advance uh or 18 pounds on the door on saturday the 10th of august uh starting uh, the doors open at 2 p.m uh 2 30 you got queer of hearts from bradford 3.15, Diddy versus the Kingdom from Leeds. 4pm, Electric Press from Leeds. 4.45, The Dirt from Manchester. 5.30, Modern Shakes from London. 6.15, Tits Up from Liverpool. Uh, then a 30-minute break slash backline changeover. Ooh. So, uh, the, so the, the backline changes. And, oh, 7.15, zero cost. All. Nice. 8 o'clock, Nutty Skunk from Leeds. 8.45, The Battery Farm from Manchester. 9.30, Mr. Shiraz from Huddersfield. Ah, the ever-present Mr. Shiraz. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, headliners, uh, Dacus Skanks from Brighton. 10.15, 11 o'clock. Everyone, everything finishes. Everyone goes home. Great. Can't say fairer than that, can you? It's it's uh, funny you mention Mr. Shiraz, because I remember at the no, the aforementioned No Effects gig seeing the singer from Mr. Shiraz in the in the queue as we were going in. Ah, because ah. they, they uh, supported Teenage Bottle Rocket when we saw them at the Key Club recently. Yes. Yeah, I, I saw them supporting uh, Random Hand um, at the Fulford in York just before lockdown. I think that was the very last gig that. Rosie, my fiance, and I went to before lockdown happened. That's a great venue, the Fulford Arms. It is, yeah. We've, there was we've a had... very short-lived comedy night that ran there, and I really, really was pleased that I got to do one of them because I thought it's it's a hard one to do because for a band, people will go slightly out of town and stuff like that. But the place where it's located, it's uh, it's not great for comedy. It's a great room, but yeah, more uh, fixed Did you... for bands and stuff. Did you um, go up into the green room? I'm doing air quotes. No, no, I don't think we were allowed. Okay. so well, We weren't uh, invited, certainly. They've got a few rooms up there, actually. It's, it's very, very good, and there's a kitchen and, and things like that. But I, I remember we played there, I don't know what 
it must have been early on in the year last year and it was very very cold and they had this weird cupboard it just looked like like something that you'd bought from um mfi or something like that mm. and when you opened it up it was actually a toilet it was a toilet wow. in it. yeah in the corner that sounds like uh the wee green room upstairs at the frog and bucket okay in manchester the uh, comedy club you're familiar with that red it's got the sort of oh yeah concertina door <laughs> for the toilet and it's like just always smells of sweet corn back there i, I, I don't know <laughs> it's, it's got an interesting smell there's something going on yeah <laughs> there's there's something built in because you and also you got you got to walk through the kitcheny bit as well yeah i think it's very fortunate that pretty much everyone who goes in that place audience members never see any of that because the rest of it looks <laughs> the rest of it looks wonderful but yeah but that's that's venues for you i suppose i, I with a bat with a, a podcast about something like no effects i imagine a lot of people listening have experience of playing in bands it's one of those kind of things where um you know you go to any sort of punk show and you throw a rock and hit someone in the audience and not only does the audience think that's really cool and something that the man would be upset about but also that person will probably have been in a band or played you know at some point and so green room talk and you know backstage stuff <laughs> carries a bit more uh, familiarity lovely sure. um so we've got that yeah so uh very very excited to have you on the uh compilation but we're going to get into uh the standard questions now okay we've not asked these in ages I recently had these questions asked to me, but changed to be about the comedian Stuart Lee, because uh, <laughs> our friend Daniel Powell uh, is the, uh, does the Across the Stewniverse podcast. Which he, <laughs> she said he directly took inspiration from the fact that he heard this podcast. He's a, bit, he's a fan of NoFX. And he said, oh, you can just do a podcast about something that a lot of people won't really care about. So he started one about the comedian Stuart Lee, arguably more famous than no effects, but but maybe not. Who knows? Um, (laughs) And so he asked me these questions, but just changed every bit of no effects to Stuart Lee. So there we go. We we had a a phase where we were using some um, some audio samples that that Calvin was uh, triggering um, from sample pad during our live sets. And Mm. one of them had a Stuart Lee sample in it. Just, um, I think it's the one where he's saying something about um, calling someone granddad and saying, um, it, I don't know, it, it was relevant at the time. He had to be there. <laughs> nice. It's, um, yeah, well, we were, we were talking about, uh, we've not released it yet, um, but we have covered uh, Trashed by Lagwagon what, in our 1994 album, uh, visiting sort of section of the show and um yeah we, we had a lot to say about just the amount of audio samples just talking at the beginning of songs and stuff like that it was very popular in 1994 yeah we we did a bit of it on our first ep as well um it, it kind of a, a an homage and we even put a uh, a hidden track on our first ep which is a nice. ri- ridiculous thing to do in in the 2020s um and it doesn't <laughs> translate very well in spotify um, but, but we did it anyway, so it's done now, and we don't have to do that anymore. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the thing is that you know, Punk and Drublick does have a secret track on it, as as they all do uh, from this era, because they're like, oh no, you, it's not like we'll have to buy a cassette with more tape on it. It's just all CDs have this much time on it, 
So you might as well have 20 minutes of silence and then someone going, oh, I've done a fart. And then, you know, that's or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's the sort of thing they do. So we're going to have to think long and hard about uh, secret tracks. We've already got some ideas, but that'll come. So, John of Zero Cost. Hello. What's your favorite no effects song? Favorite no effects song? Oh, that's a tricky one, and that can change on any given day. And I know mm. this is a, a bit of a, a, a get out, but um, funnily enough, the no effects song I've listened to most recently um, was um, Pump Up the Volume, the track that didn't make it onto the Pump Up the Volume uh, album. Um, I think the reason I was listening to it because at the beginning uh, Melvin yells something about being in a 12 by 12 foot room, which kind of reminded me a little bit of my situation here at the moment, although it's, <laughs> I don't think it's even 12 by 12 foot here. Um, I, I I like, one of the ones that I, I would go back to is um, You're Bleeding. Oh yeah. Um, From White Trash. Yes. And, and in particular, my, actually my favourite... I'm sorry, I'm going to skip a, skip ahead, um, perhaps, uh, here. My favourite album, by no effects, is um, I Heard the Suck Live, and, and Your Bleeding is on there. Um, and I really like that live version. So I'm going to go with that today, but it, if you ask me tomorrow, it could be a completely different answer. Okay, cool. Um, so we'll have Pump Up the Valum, or Valium, whichever one, or the Valum, and, uh, and Your Bleeding is an honourable mention. That's, uh, yeah, great. It's uh, it, it's good. So we're sort of so yeah. So your bleeding is sort of a pretty early one, or mm. er, early-ish. It's the, one of the early. It's early Hefe era anyway. So early classic era, and then and then a sort of a mid a mid era one. Sort of you're just leaving the nineties, just sort of riding out that yeah. wave. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you know, about 97, 98, when I'm, I'm getting into no effects. So the, the current album at the time was So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. Mm. Um, but a lot of the first stuff that I heard would have been from Punk and Drublick, White Trash, yeah. Bit of Ribbed, that, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I even had a friend who wasn't that into punk in general liked a bit of green day and offspring and he decided it's always all buying um no effects albums and he decided he was gonna buy one and we went around to his house one day and the the album that he'd bought was liberal animation um, <laughs> so needless to say he didn't get too into no effects after that and i remember hearing that album and just uh, not being impressed uh, saying look you You've bought the wrong album. Um, and <laughs> yeah. still to today, yeah. that I, I would rather listen to the um, Mystic Records compilation than than that first album. <laughs> That's the uh, only one. I, I noticed you say Mystic Records compilation rather than uh, single and double, but that's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, single and double. It isn't their greatest work, is it? But the it, the essence of the band is is there, and the. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe could, I, th I think with a little bit more selection, they, they maybe could have made a reasonably good album out of the two albums. Yeah, I agree. Well, they interestingly, I saw some interviews 
Um, I tend to just have fat mic interviews on when I'm doing other stuff. You know, like people talk about passive income. It's like, oh, you just do this and this and that. I, I do sort of passive research for the podcast. <laughs> I just sort of have him on because he started doing tons of like podcasts and especially during lockdown, lots of like video stuff. So it'll be with some like German alt radio station. And he's just like, yeah, I'll pop on for half an hour and talk about stuff. And he drops little bits that he doesn't drop anywhere else. So like the big picture stuff, he sort of keeps the same. Oh, well, we did this during lockdown. We stopped a bit to record the Frank Turner split. We did this. Da, da, da. But then he'll like just something will occur to him and he'll drop it in. And he said that when they originally made single album, it was a double album because that's a joke. <sighs> Apparently. Lockdown was tough on everyone, guys. But um, yes. so it did that, and um, he played everyone the second disc first. Okay. And people were like, "Oh, that's all right." And then he played the first disc, which is what he ended up just releasing on its own. And people were like, "Oh, that is way better." And it was like all of the sort of sad, darker tone stuff. So the second disc, and I couldn't quite work out whether double album that came after it was the original second disc to the double album or whether it was sort of a, a new selection of songs because he said that those were a bit more sort of lighthearted and a bit more whatever. But um, well, he, certainly... also, he also said that um, Fuck Euphemism is the first song or certainly the first song in many decades that NoFX actually jammed together. He started playing. He started playing the riff, and then Smelly joined in when they were like during recording, and then Melvin and Hefe joined in as well. So, um, well, that's that, um, it's a lot less gloomy. Yeah, we often find that's that's how the best songs come about. Um, I, you know, I don't know whether you would say that about that particular song. It, it's it's okay, I guess. The, um... <laughs> the mu- mu- musically, I've got no problem with it at all, and lyrically, I think it's just clumsily described but and i I think that's the way that things have gone it's it's almost becoming a a parody of itself it's um you know it's just repeating the same joke over and over again isn't it when you when you start just just going purely for puns and wide play for the sake of it it's like yeah we get it mike you 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 know about puns um like like oxymoron which i think is one of mine and eddie's least favorite tracks of theirs (laughs) because it's clever it's i don't know like it's well written, but it's annoying. I think it's because it's a blip on what on on first ditch effort, which is fucking wall to wall bangers. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. there's sort of this bit in the middle of it where it's like it's like you're watching the coolest thing in the world, and then Weird Al Yankovic turns up for a moment, <laughs> and then goes, and you're like, well, I've got no real problem with Weird Al, but I don't know what. It wasn't really appropriate to put put him here. So it was I, sort of, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I agree. Um, I, I, I listened again to First Ditch Effort the other day, and it is a it is a great album. I, I you know I'm in agreement with with you folks that it's it's probably the the last really solid album that they did. But um, yeah, oxymoronic. Um, it, it's like you've given a, a group of um, like GCSE music students a list of different <laughs> um, medications and asked them to shoehorn them into a song in in half an hour. Um, I, yeah. I'd, I'd argue it's it's slightly cleverer than that, but not a massive amount. <laughs> because the point he's making about how pharmaceuticals and how they can just be advertised in the US and just go, I'll just buy some of this. 
and and all this stuff and then you end up you know and people dependent on all of these um uh opioids and all the rest of it there's so much that mike at his best could really talk about and make really really clear if he was doing that with like the actual sort of earnestness and anger of the irrationality of rationality or something like mm. that mm. you'd be like fuck you know it'd be it would be really really but but instead he's doing um he's doing sort of like uh, it's not quite as juvenile as new boobs but it you know it's sort of it I don't know. He, he can obviously he can do what he wants, but um... I, I, yeah, and I don't think that message quite translates the same when you you export it to Europe and, and countries where you have universal healthcare. Um, yes, it's not quite the same as the US system. Hello, everyone. Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite. Or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. You've given the game away, but let's do it anyway. John, what is your favourite NoFX album? My favourite NoFX album is I Heard They Suck Live. Um, Lovely. Nice. A a friend of mine uh, went to, he visited the States around the time that we were getting into the music, and he managed to pick up a copy of that. Um, I remember him telling me that he'd taken a photograph of it on top of the toilet in the hotel room because when he first heard it, he thought it was shit. Um, <laughs> but actually, we we grew to love that album, and that was really that album was the one that made made us want to be in a band. You know, all the all the banter and the you know, the nonsense in between the songs. Yeah. Um, it just really gave you an impression of what it, well, at least what we thought it was going to be like to be in in a live band, in a punk band. Um, and it's a good cross-section of all their material up to that point. So mm. the latest studio album represented on it would be Punk and Drublet. Yeah. Um, and there's a good cross-section of everything going right right to the beginning, um, even stuff um, off Liberal Animation. And they, they managed to make a good song out of um, Beer Bong uh, <laughs> on yeah. the album. Um, I, I think they got good enough to play beer bong in a way that it was good. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it is one of the few like good tracks or one of the tracks that I I particularly enjoy from Liberal Animation. Yeah, yeah. the the opening track on Liberal Animation is is pretty cool, and I would like yeah. to hear them play it now. Mm. Um, is that day to days? Day to days, yeah, yes, yeah. So. yeah. I'm pretty. It, day day, uh, day to days would be on SNM Airlines. SNM Airlines, yeah. Ah. Is it sold out? Shut up already. Shut oh, up already. That's the one. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, it's got the Black Dog riff in it as well. Yes. So put that little sample of uh, Led Zeppelin in there. Mm. But yeah, um, no, it, it's it's a great it's a great bit of work, and I think I think this is probably the album where I was like, I, it's where the the parasocial aspect of it for me started because you get to know the personality of the band. I'm I'm fucking rotten for parasocial sort of relationships. I really have to watch myself because I get like 
well, I, I understand this band or this performer or this artist or whoever it is, because I uh, don't know about this, but I don't know about you, but I, I heard them say a thing once and it wasn't even music. <laughs> so uh, we're pretty much best mates. Absolutely fucking so prone to that kind of shit. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I think a lot of people are. So, uh, but But it is kind of, it's where... You know, it, it, had I been born somebody else, I can't say that I wouldn't be like the worst kind of Swifty or, you know, K-pop stan or, or anything like that. I think I've got that natural inclination. When you hear other live albums, <laughs> except for possibly, and I don't think I've listened to it in maybe 20 years, 25 years, apart from maybe the uh, Blink-182 one, which even has a very similar cover and stuff, you know, the the was yeah. it the Mark, Tom, and Travis show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they're <laughs> really doing. I heard they suck live a lot because there's a lot of um, chatter on it and a lot of all the st- all that stuff that that No Effects do, uh, which Mike has commented on before. But you know, you hear if you listen to like, I know the Ramones weren't a chatty band, but you know, you hear it's alive. And you can't really tell that it's a live album, except every so often you hear the crowd cheering and occasionally they'll be like, they've got like a, a witty line to put at the beginning of a song, but they've rehearsed it. And it's yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. sort of, it's just how they do it. And other bands, you know, like um, the Dropkick Murphys live album, the live on um, St. Patrick's Day, there's huge chunks of it where they there's no chat between the songs. And then there's bits where they do do stuff like that, but, you know, no effects. It's like, it is you know 30% chat which yeah. is which is yeah. mental <laughs> yeah i mean I, I heard their sort of live was probably one of the first live albums I, I ever really listened to maybe and uh, maybe the nirvana ones so there was from the muddy banks of wishka and yeah. um the mtv unplugged you know live in new york one the, yeah. those um but yeah I totally agree with what you're saying about the uh, the Mark Tom and Travis show. It is a it's a total rip off. I mean, I I did um, as a youngster enjoy that album as well. Um, and ones like the um, the Pennywise's live from the Key Club was another good one. All right. Um, mm. um, and they talk they talk a little bit in between, but it's nothing like the No Effects one. They're not. They're not. A, they're not. They're, they're they not a great chatty. deal of fun. No, Pennywise. <laughs> yeah, Pennywise don't seem chatty. Yeah, I don't, Again, think, I don't think anyone in Pennywise has ever had a cup of tea. <laughs> well, I, one of my favourite bands, uh, you know, in my, again in my my late teens, you know, Pennywise. If you'd asked me, oh, yeah. if you'd asked me twenty years ago, Pennywise would have been up there. Mm. Um, I, I still have a bit of time for them. I'll still listen to them from from time to time, but they, they wouldn't make it into my top five these days. What would be your favourite album from Pennywise? Um, well, the point where I got into it was um straight ahead so i think that was like sure. 1999 album that that mm. was the first thing i heard and i think i'd seen uh, like a feature on them um in kerrang and i obviously recognized the name because it was mentioned in all the thanks to's um yeah. in, in every single album where you were reading the liner notes um so yeah i got into straight ahead and then went back and listened to um full circle the one before that um so I'd have to one of those two, but about time is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, re- really enjoy that. Um, yeah, um, I'd, I'd have I'd 
probably go with Straight Ahead if I had to, if you yeah. put me on a spot. Yeah. Straight Ahead's got my favourite Pennywise song on it, which is uh, Alien. Nice, yeah. It's it's just the guitars are, when he when he does the the palm muting on the guitars, they are so fat, so and ridiculous, um... and the and the song's really good, and the octave chords um, riff on it, yeah, it's just very very yeah. good. And that drop with the uh, the snare and the uh, floor tom as well, the when it, yeah yeah when it kicks in, um, yeah yeah, and that was you know that was the, they had a video for that, and that in the the era of uh, television channels like P Rock and Scuzz, that that would have been on on those as well. There's a uh, a documentary about P Rock coming I've seen. out, um, which features uh, features uh, Mark, uh, sorry, it features Tom from um, Midlife Punk Podcast as a talking head on it, and and many other people. So yeah, uh, I was I was I, looking looking it up the other day, and that that channel only existed for about six months, but at the really? time. Yeah, yeah, it was P Rock was only around for for six months, because um, it was a venture between uh, like Moonsky, Europe, and Epitaph, I think, or something like that. Right. Something along those lines. It only lasted about six months, and um, yeah, they kind of got priced out the market somehow, I think. And, and um, and then Scuzz launched, which was, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think Scuzz was actually owned by one of the major. It companies. is, yeah. Uh, I forget who, but you were right. Yeah, but it was it was such a time. I mean, that was what was that two thousand and three? That would have been. Yeah, was Kerrang TV around it? Yeah, because I remember I'm, I'm we never had like cable or Sky TV when I was growing up, and then as soon as I went to university, my sister, who was three years my junior, managed to convince my parents to get it, and then as soon as I graduated, and she went to university. I moved back in at home for a while. She, uh, my my parents immediately go, oh, well, uh, we can get rid of Sky now that your sister's not here nagging us. I'm like, no, I've actually kind of got quite used to watching two episodes of MASH <laughs> at, at seven o'clock, at six o'clock every evening. And, and also, actually, this it's, so I, I saw tiny little glimpses of these channels I've, um... and, and stuff like that. My friends had them. Yeah, I'd, well, see was... the, I'd see them if I was at a friend's house and and their parents weren't wanting to watch television in the in the living room. Exactly, but, um, yeah. exactly the same for me. To this day, I've never had a had Sky um, at home. I've never had it at home when when I lived with my parents. Um, so it was yeah, if you were around at a friend's or my girlfriend at the time, I think they had Sky, um, and you'd watch it then. Yeah, and the you know P Rock with the you know the rancid and. Mm. Um, I think they even played like would probably play at no effects and I think they had leave it alone and yeah. maybe sticking in my eye. They did do, do a video for that one a long time ago. Do you remember them playing um, Last Man Standing by was it Four Foot Fingers? Four Foot Fingers, yeah, yeah. That, that I remember watching that video. Yeah, yeah, that one I remember. They were running through a wood, weren't they? Yes. At night. Yeah, yeah. And, and it looked like um, and then a, a, a couple. Yeah, a couple of years later, it looked like um, the future heads had copied it for their Hounds of Love cover. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but, but with like higher fidelity recording yeah. equipment uh, and stuff. Um, yeah, um, I remember I, I saw the future heads at Fibbers in York, and they were like the new Gang of Four. This really weird yeah. sort of angular guitar sound thing, and then. And then the sort of album came out, and I got this EP. It's I've still got it somewhere. Um, and um, and then they sort of got got ironed out a little bit, 
but uh, there's still some good stuff. I I, I enjoyed them, and uh, I also liked that they sang in their northeast accents. That made me very yeah. very happy. Uh, as a child running in the night. Great, um, John. Do you have a favourite lyric from No Effects? Huh. Uh, I really should have thought about this before. Uh, before I, I should have reminded so I, you of the questions. Yeah, so I, I have. Uh, <laughs> I've heard all these questions before. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you, it's, this is not my favourite lyric, but it's, I'm going to I'm going to mention this one. Um, mm-hmm. I know when you you've talked about um, single and double album, um, and I, I know. Eddie, in particular, you expressed that you weren't impressed with the uh, Stephen Hawking song. Um, um, but to, to me, that that with some of the rumours that were going around the internet a couple of weeks ago, that kind of took on a new meaning for me. I thought that was quite funny. What were the what were the rumours? I was going to say I'm not familiar with the rumours. Oh, uh, it was to do with. The I think it was to do with the Epstein stuff. I think he's oh was he, oh was yeah, he he, yeah 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 his yeah. name was his name was mentioned on there in, in and I, I should say that you know all the official reports say that there, there was um, absolutely uh, no indication of any wrongdoing. But he, he was I think he was maybe listed on some of the flight manifests. So it, it just I, I think that a lot of people visited there, and I don't think that the entire list of people who'd ever been there was just a list of 100% defo nonces. But, sure. it, but it, but it's not, it, but it obviously one cannot take away the suspicion <laughs> of the yeah, include, it's... but you know, he, he was, he was a, he was someone who liked to surround himself with interesting and influential people and stuff. He, he, he did. He was quite, quite famous for loving shagging. True. True. Are we are we talking about Stephen Hawking now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Red really? was. I was. I was talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was talking about Epstein. Red's talking about. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, no, yeah, no. He was. Um, I mean, it was between him and Russell Brand for Shagger of the Year in the he, Sun. I imagine he had an affair with his long-standing nurse, didn't he? He left his wife for his for uh, his nurse. I wasn't he aware did. of any of this. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, oh, there yeah. was obviously when when this thing these sort of things get onto Twitter and people run with it. There were there were all sorts of stories about. Um, there was something about. Um, getting midgets to um, naked midgets to try and work out equations that were written very high up on a chalkboard. Um, that was one of his kinks or something. That was that was the rumor. I, th- I mean, I mean, I think so- I, I, I think someone is just is just playing buzzword bingo at that point, aren't they? But, I, I think um, so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. It's I, look. It's possible. Um, hey, let's not kink shame. <laughs> no, no, hey, look. If everyone involved was, if everyone involved in that was game, then fine. You know what? That's not even a problem. Uh, but the fact that it has to involve really hard maths—that's the bit that makes me think someone's taking the piss. Like the guy couldn't just could just never stop thinking of enormous numbers. How 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 can we make this ridiculous story sound plausible? Yeah. Oh, and he'd make all the women walk around in their algebras. <laughs> There you go. There's a, there's a uh, fat Mike didn't think of that pun, did he? <laughs> One nil, fatty. We went off a tangent on a we tangent. We did a there, tangent but... that you may not have heard. Whether I depend, just decide whether it's litigious <laughs> or not. So, yeah. Favorite um, lyric. Yeah, just put the word allegedly in front of everything. <laughs> um, yeah, favorite lyric. Um, I'm I'm going to go back to. 
um, your, the song You're Bleeding. Um, and this is it's quite sort of ridiculous, really. But I like the uh, the line where it says, you're bleeding me, I'm not a tub. Um, or you're draining me, you're draining me, I'm not a tub. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I like. It's I like kind that. of dumb, but should be like you're you're bleeding me. I'm not a radiator. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm sure. Yeah, in in one of the choruses, it changes to you're draining, you're draining me. I'm not a tub. Yeah, that that one. I'll go with that. I like. I like it because it. Like, Mike has come up with some beautiful metaphors and and terms of phrase, and that one is just like, yep, sure, not a tub. And even <laughs> if someone had gone, what. Not a tub? Yeah, not a tub. Like you drain a tub. Whatever you like. Yep, yep, yep. It's your song, man. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, no, I like it. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think um, Tom from uh, Midlife Punk Podcast said that his favorite uh, no effects lyric was relax and do nothing, sit back and yeah, 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 yeah. That's some lazy songwriting right there. It's, uh, I'm not sure I quite like it. Um <laughs> It's not lazy if it's an active decision. I don't know. We'll mm. Good. Uh, so what's your favourite memory of no effects? Uh, well, I, I've, I've only seen them the one time, which was the, the occasion oh, where wow. we met. Um, strangely enough, yeah, I never, never ventured out to see them before that. I've never been someone that wanted to go to big festivals, you know, back in the days where they would have played the... Um, lock-up stages of uh, Leeds already, and I was never into that kind of thing. Um, so, like, my, just my early form, you know, formative memories of, again, listening to, listening to, um, I Heard They Suck Live, and I remember um, there's, you you folks will be aware of Hull Fair, um, yeah. the, the big travelling fair that comes through Hull, it's the, say, it's the, uh, Europe's biggest traveling fair. I remember when we were around this time in the late nineties, some friends and I um, went to Hull Fair and we were going on a roller coaster and we were singing an OFX song um, out loud to try and calm our nerves as we were uh, like uh, descending on the roller co- or ascending on the roller coaster. Which one was it? Um, It's one of the, yeah, one of the ones off Pumpkin Drublick anyway, so that's a memory. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're using no effects to soothe your your nerves at the uh, at the yes. the apex of the roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I would do that if it was a temporary roller coaster. <laughs> There's something about I I like a roller coaster to be a bit more permanent than that before I uh, I strap in. But that's uh... yeah. I mean, there's two schools of thought, isn't there? I mean, if you go to a theme park like uh, Alton Towers or something like that, and those things are there all the time, um, then you would hope that they're they're well maintained and looked at looked after, and people check them over once a week or whatever. But um, with the yeah the traveling fair, they're <laughs> quickly constructed. Um, but they have only just been assembled, so maybe they've tightened up those bolts a little bit more. I don't know. It's yeah, could be either way, I suppose. We'll find out. Um, if you've got any opinions on this, Punk Rock Elite Podcast at gmail dot com. What do you think of the safer roller coasters? There we go. That's some <laughs> good punk chatter. What do you think, John, of zero cost? Is the best way in to no effects for a non fan? 
Huh. Uh, I, I think the albums around the turn of the millennium um, are probably quite accessible. So, uh, Pump Up the Volume and um, uh, The War on Errorism, I think, mm-hmm. are, are quite accessible albums. Um, when The War on Errorism came out, I remember my girlfriend at the time who wasn't really into punk got into that album. Um, I think the production quality on those albums and the, the songwriting is, is quite accessible. Um, it's kind of before Mike started to go too far into abusing drugs. Um, and mm. I think some of the, and I think like the songwriting, the songwriting in the nineties albums is, is some of the strongest is you can, you know, songwriting on like punk and drug lick, yeah. Um, and uh, so long and thanks for all the shoes. It's very, very sharp lyrically. Um, I, I think when you get into well into the two thousands, it it goes off the rails a little bit in places. Not that I don't enjoy those albums, I do. Um, but I think the sharpest stuff is those sort of classic nineties albums. Yeah. Well, I think they with Valum and Errorism, they were still working with Ryan Green. Yes. who they'd been with since um, Punk and Droblik, uh, the, the the guy who sort of made that fat sound. And then yeah. with Wolves, that was the first time they worked with Bill Stevenson of The Descendants. And yeah. so um, that did they even record it? Did they, oh, no, they recorded it at Motor Studio again yeah. in San Francisco, but with uh, Bill Stevenson and Jason Livermore, uh, who of the Blasting Rooms... Where is the blasting room? It's in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Fort Collins, isn't it? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And um, I, I love, I love the, you know, the stuff that they do in the blasting room. I love um, Bill Stevenson and Jason Livermore's work, and hmm. um, and I know um, Fat Mike considers um, Wolves in Wolves Clothing the best No Effects album. Um, or at least one of the best no effects albums. I think he does think of it as one of the best. I've heard him say Slat Fats, but I've also heard him say Wolves is uh, is one of the best ones as well. I've I've seen written somewhere in an interview that he mentioned that he thinks one of the reasons it's Wolves isn't considered one of the best is because he thinks the artwork sucks. You know, the, <laughs> the, that yellow and black artwork. And I think there's something in that. Like when you, particularly prior to everything being streaming, the the artwork of an album really colours your, your perception of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually remember there was a time when I was looking at, you know, like what NoFX albums to buy on like iTunes, you know, like 10 years ago or whatever. And I was actually put off buying Wolves because mm. of how simplistic the artwork was. But now it's one of my favourite NoFX albums. Mm. It's, it, it is a good album. It is a good album. Um, I, I, struggled to say that it was in my one of my favorites but it is a very it's one of the stronger ones the pro, the thing is is that you're dealing with just so many of them mm. um i think um i think war on errorism is uh, is an interesting one because it's sort of the most clearly of its time on the cover there's yes. a cartoon of george bush there's a cartoon of the then president and that used to happen all the time in like the eighties when there'd be like pictures of Reagan or Thatcher on covers of punk albums and stuff. Um, but that hadn't really been going on for 
for a long time and so to to have that it's sort of and i think then there was and it was sort of tied in with the punk voter thing and so it was sort of 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 its time but sort of listening to it in its in slightly less context in slightly less of that kind of thing it's still a brilliant piece of work it's got some absolutely cracking songs on it and then it's also got stuff like anarchy camp and um <laughs> uh you know the song it finishes with um whoops i od'd and stuff it's like a lot of this stuff isn't particularly political there's yeah. like it starts off with separation of church and skate which sounds yeah. like it's going to be political but it's just about when did punk rock become so safe you know you've only yeah. got really a few social or political things but it's sort of very much like with the the cover would suggest it's a much more overall political album like idiots are taking overs on there and stuff i guess but and um, but yeah no the i remember being underwhelmed when i saw the cover for wolves in wolves clothing um but i don't think mike has any because he said that he said when i received the artwork like they just hired someone who just didn't really care about it for mm. someone to be that controlling sort of over so many aspects of it to just go oh just find an artist to do the cover and then they come back and do it it's really weird Another NoFX album which has a garbage artwork, in my opinion, is self-entitled. I think that that artwork's it's just totally oh. out of sequence with everything they've done previously, and it just totally uninspiring. Self-entitled looks like a best of. Yeah, like like um, yeah, mm. but like maybe like a best of that's not actually officially sanctioned that's been made by <laughs> yeah by, by a supermarket. It's a bootleg best of cover. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It does yeah. look like, yeah, if you've like wandered into Walmart and there's like, um, I don't know, best no effects hits for the last 10 years or whatever. It, it, you are, it doesn't look anything like anything else they've released. Do you re- recall in HMV, there used to be these CDs that were basically like a sort of potted history of a band, but they made it look like it was about, there was like a Green Day one and there was like a Nirvana one. I once saw an, a no effects anthology but like i think they would normally refer to them as anthologies in like hmv these little box sets i remember seeing like a no effects one um Mm. years ago and i I remember someone bought one a friend of mine bought one and it was literally just sort of generic rock backing music and it would have this woman on this instance it was a green day one they were a massive green day fan my mate and uh saying um uh, Green Day started off in the San Francisco area, all this stuff, and then there'd be like a four-second clip of Billy Joe Armstrong going, "We used to play shows in Berkeley." <laughs> Knowing this, the band then went out, and it was just like, "Wow!" It was like you know those, um, you know those AI YouTube videos where they're just like just describing the plot of a film. It's like, what is poor things all about? Poor Things is a 2023 movie about a woman. It's like it, it was like that, but they had to like record them and then get them pressed and send them to HMV. Stephen Hawking reading a Wikipedia page. It was kind of like that. Well, if he's not too busy doing we know what now. Um, but yeah, so that, that's sort of it. Self-entitled looks like one of those uh, yeah. is, uh, is the point. That's crazy. The... Um, it, but talking about bootlegs and things like that, the obviously No Effects have got three official live albums. Uh, yeah. Heard, heard this at live. Um, 
what was the second one called? Uh, they've gotten worse. They've actually gotten worse. They've actually gotten worse live. And then there is the live in a dive ribbed. Yeah. Um, but there's one called, and I don't know if you've come across this, called, it's known as Hello Bob. And it's um, a live recording that I think was done in Australia. Um, actually, very, very good quality. It's it's not a million miles off the sort of quality of I Heard They Suck Live. It's worth, uh, worth oh, checking wow. out. I do have a, uh, I've got a video, a VCR videotape from Aflex Palace in Manchester. I got a rancid one as well. I think the rancid, I think it was like 95, 1995 um, rancid somewhere in the States. I can't remember where. Full show recorded. Um, I think I've seen it on YouTube since. Um but there's I and then I went and got uh, a no effects one. It was no effects live in Edinburgh in nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very interesting Mike's got his leg in a cast. He's like uh, he's was, bro- was that just like some, some Scottish hooligan, some Scottish biker gang beat him up or something? I'm not sure. No, he um they are it, it's this tiny little club. It's like the tiniest, tiniest place. The people keep on getting on stage because the stage is four inches off the ground. It's one of those kind of places. <laughs> it's great. Um but yeah, Mike occasionally jumps in the air, but he's got his leg stuck out at an angle because I think he broke <laughs> his knee or he did something when they were touring Europe and he just carried on. Uh, doing that but it it's very very interesting and um yeah some some scottish guy keeps on jeering and uh hefe just keeps on going fuck off baldy really <laughs> really funny um but i remember because uh, and i remember being sort of slightly annoyed at the time because obviously it was 1993 so they were mainly dealing with the first handful of albums and they weren't really doing any there was nothing from sort of and i must have bought that in like 2001 or two so there's obviously a huge there was 10 years difference in uh what yeah, was all, on there but it was still pretty pre- good pre-hefe stuff wasn't it oh uh, no oh yeah no sorry yeah it, it was yeah there was tons of pre-hefe stuff on there um but i um yeah i really should like digitize that and see if uh share that around because it's because uh, it's really really cool anyway yes good so uh yeah that turn of the millennium era the most accessible now effects. I, I would say so, yeah. I mean, that was the time when, like, if I if I get up now and I go and walk into Hull City Centre, the chances that I'm going to see some kids or adult or anyone wearing a no effects hoodie is slim to none. Hmm. Um, but around that era, I could have walked through Hull City Centre and I've probably seen two or three no no effects shirts. Yeah. Um, it, you know that was. It was really peak popularity. I mean, what we were talking about earlier were, you know, what was happening in 1994 in the US wasn't really translating here so much. Yes, Green Day were, were somewhat popular, Offspring were somewhat popular, but you were still, when I was getting into punk in the in you know mid to late 90s, you were still definitely a, a weirdo if you were listening to punk music. Oh yeah. Um, but by the by two 2000 and the very early 2000s, it you know, it was very, very popular, you know, but it was the same, the same kids that were also listening to stuff like Papa Roach. That's it. I mean, I, I found that the, the kids who got into new metal really didn't like the sort of the skate punk yeah. thing. Mm. It was really, there were a few people who, who walked in both worlds who I knew who were like, Oh no, I love nine inch nails and lag wagon and like you know they were not nine inch nails but new metal but you know they they, they, they were like they'd be they were just happy with it all they were like no this is all great and yeah 
Um, and then there were the people who were a lot more tribal. But I think that's because, the, I mean, people. a lot of people sort of go, oh, I never liked that sort of skate punk because it was very sort of frat boy and laddie. And I always saw new metal as being more that because 100%. it was a lot more like crotch grabbing, like, I'm a fuck you up. Oh, look at all these bitches here. There was sort of a lot more like braggadocious <laughs> hip hop kind of elements yeah, like, to it. Yeah, Limp Bizkit and stuff like that, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and mm. you know, Looking back retrospectively, there, there were there were elements of it that that were better than that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, but but that but that was sort of the overwhelming. It was Limp Biscuit and the people who were trying to be Limp Biscuit who were definitely not as capable of being Limp Biscuit as Limp Biscuit. That yeah. were all of that kind of thing, Kid Rock and all of that kind of yeah, shit. Yeah. It's just like fucking <clears throat> fucking wretched shit. Um, so then that meant that I was like, well, no. Obviously, this punk stuff can't be like that because it's not that. But then the amount of whiny, my girlfriend left me, and I can't believe it because she's only 17 now. And it's like, whoa, what was that? Nothing. You know, and, and sort of there's a lot more like entitled, whiny, sort of nerdy shit in some of that. Not in no effects, but in, in the sort of the broader thing. And when it sort of got to be a bit more emo, it's, it was a, a m- lot more people who felt entitled to like, I, I carried your books every day. It's like, oh, who gives a fuck? It was you know, the, it, it was that kind of that kind of yeah it was a, the, attitude that kind of um sexism rather than stuff. well I mean to be honest when Blink talk about having a girlfriend they're actually pointlessly sweet about it and it's kind of nauseating yeah no exactly um, <laughs> I, 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 I actually sort of really really quite pleasant about it I don't include Blink in, in that because I, I did yeah. get into into Blink um, but it's the the bands that were clearly influenced by them that that sort of generation of that emo pop stuff that came after that that mm. I had a hard time. Um, being able to relate to and but I, I think that's just a, an age thing time and place oh yeah yeah no it's it's that thing of um it's that thing yeah no effects isn't isn't the band that people think they are sometimes the bands who are trying to be no effects are those bands it's like yes. that thing of you know the people sort of go oh well you know it, it's like i was about to use the smiths as an example but all the people who tried to be the smiths were arguably way worse at it than the smiths were so yeah so the success depends on all that kind of thing so you know with um you know fat mike has said sometimes in jest sometimes in uh genuine meaning it's like no blink 182 did rip off our stage show mm-hmm. how we present stuff how we muck around we sort of you know talk a lot of shit about ourselves about the you know the other, but ba- I mean, they. I don't think Blink ever talked shit about other bands. Like No Effects did this thing where they would, you know, that, where they make fun of other bands from the stage. But they were making fun of their friends. They were just, you know, they were literally being kind of bro about it. You know, they were. It was. Yeah. Lit- it was literally what is now referred to as banter. Mm. But some people sort of went, "All oh, right, what you do is you go up there and you just go, oh, I did a big shit earlier,' and everyone goes, "Oh, that's brilliant. Here's a song about mm. doing a shit." But don't say anything about Haley from Paramore. Well, no, don't say that in the past. <laughs> you can only say things in the past. Um, yeah, it's yeah, that was all a bit of a, uh, a storm in a teacup. But um, oh well, yeah, good. So, what do you think, John of Zero Cost? Is No Effects's legacy? What does that look Ooh. like? 
well, you know, they're, they're a band that have, have kept the popular DIY uh, scene alive. They've very much demonstrated the, the ethic um, that punk bands ought to aspire to. And, and, you know, some of that was a lot more relevant in the, in the 90s and early noughties, not signing to a major label. Um, not for a long time doing videos, you know. I mean, no effects in in the nineties. You, you could be a big fan of the music and have listened to all of the albums and have no idea what they look like um, yeah. in a way that you just yeah. wouldn't, you couldn't do now um, with with mm -hmm. any band, regardless of how underground they are, because they've all got a social media presence. You know what everybody looks like. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of um, a lot of imagination and folklore around around no effects i think you know they, yeah they, only... they used to put just random photographs in the albums in the yeah. uh liner notes like i think in one of them they're like eric melvin and it was a picture of joey cape on the tour bus with like a, a shower cap on like pissed up and having a laugh and they're like yeah why not like i think in one of them <laughs> they i think in one of them someone it's just like an Ind like a member of an Indonesian punk band who'd sent their demo through that it was just on Mike's desk and he's like, okay, use that as cafe. Yeah. It's just this Indonesian lad with this massive like Rufio from Hook haircut, and um, and they they just did it. They were just like, yeah, fuck yeah. it, why not? We'll just we'll just do that for a laugh. It's um, and, it's that it's that sort of thing. De deliberately doing the things you, you know you mentioned about Blink um, stealing the the sort of style of the uh, presentation live and i think one of the reasons that blink probably didn't go as far in terms of the the extreme things they said about other bands and stuff was because they were looking to be a lot more commercially um successful they were on major mm -hmm. label and their True. label execs were probably telling them no you can't say that kind of thing when you're on stage because you'll get sued for it but yeah. um no just effects. keep talking about diarrhea the kids yeah, love yeah. it yeah the diarrhea no. dollar that's a good dollar yeah. No one, no one is going to sue you for talking about fucking a dog or diarrhea. Yeah, yeah. But if you say things about individuals, members of yeah. other bands, then they might come after you. Um, but yeah, so just having having that that attitude of let's let's do the opposite of what would be expected of a successful, commercially viable band. Yeah, I think that's. Uh whilst being more successful than some commercially viable bands. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. It's, but doing um, it their way, you know? Yeah. It's the DIY thing. It's um, sometimes... I remember when I first heard um, 60% or the reprise, one of them, where he talks about um, uh, the Sultans of Slander, Bastions of DIY. Yeah. I remember thinking, that's a bit full of yourself. And then after I'd thought about it, I was like, no, that is a fair assessment, really. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and and I suppose it's that thing of no, the the that that awareness of the place that they take, the place that they have, yeah. and you know, no one is ever one hundred percent self aware. You've always got blind spots, mm -hmm. but I think they're quite good at knowing what it is, uh, who they are, how that fits in, and what and what they do, and how no effects fits in, or how they fit in being in no effects, and how let's just say for the sake of since Hefe joined the 30 years that they've had in this form. Mm -hmm. And I, in one of the interviews I mentioned earlier, um, Mike said that in that time, in the whole time they've been a band, they fired two people. Yeah. Including crew and, and all that stuff is like, you know, um, 
you know, he uh, he he said fairly recently they fired a member of their crew, like within the last like five years. Right. Uh, it would be now, and he's like, you know, is it? And and he said that that was an example of, um, you know, he said that the the reason that when I, I when I use when I'm not on tour is because I'm stressed and I don't know how to deal with stress because I've had a life pretty much free of stress because I've just been playing in a band and saying, let's record that band and having that all done. You know, he's like, I don't have a lot of stress. So whenever there is stress, I react incredibly badly. And that's when I start, you know, and so all that kind of thing. So he's actually said, no, you know, we break down. Tires got a flat and we're touring. We'll get another tire. It's not Mm. the worst thing in the, you know, (laughs) this isn't, this isn't major. So I suppose um, that is one of the things, but yeah, having the same crew, some of them have left because they said, "Oh, I need to go and move on and do stuff." But all yeah. of that does suggest and they come back again. Yeah, and so and sometimes they come back again, and and that to me suggests a very, a very very nice atmosphere to work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're if you're the right person for it, I suppose it's a personality thing. But if they just had a revolving door of people working for them. Their manager stopped being their manager, Kent, but he still mm. does their sound. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like he's like, oh, I'll do your sound. I don't want to be the one in charge of organizing everything anymore. It's like <laughs> that's pain in the ass. But I'll come with you and do your sound because he's the best sound guy they've ever had. So they're like, what? oh yeah, okay, yeah, that works. So, what was the story behind that? Because I, I mean, I've been watching Backstage Passport again recently. I watched mm. through, through all of that, um, and I know he, he just. He, he left completely, didn't he? And then came back just to do the sound. Is that right? Uh, as far as that goes, he left because everyone was fucking up and being a bit of a pain. And it looked like, and, it, and probably having the cameras there made it more stressful and, and mm. people were, you know, and, and it's a hard thing to do. I don't know if that was when he left, like permanently as manager, but I think uh, I think it was around then. But I think also he was dealing with his own, chemical issues at the time too Uh, Uh, and i don't think he does anymore or certainly is in a lot more of a better place with that kind of thing that's Mm -hmm. from memory and from various things and and that could be old information now so don't quote me on any of that but that's what i think is is going on with Mm -hmm. that uh yes kent uh from uh who was uh, their sound guy and manager for a very long time frank turner's favorite member of no effects as well (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he does sound very very cool and in fact um, it was when we get to Backstage Passport um, we'll talk more about this but the the thing I found with Backstage Passport was actually more interesting looking at Kent and Limo and Jay and their crew yeah rather than the band members as much fun as that was as well but the um, but you know you you sort of see the rest of these people and, and you see how the how the engine runs yeah, and it's basically the these three people and some others who are who do all of that and then they're also like you know limo was the keyboard guy for a very long time as well as their general roadie so you know then he left and that's when they got karina in yeah, yeah you didn't think i was getting a whole episode without mentioning her did you come on guys <laughs> fuck around um so you know all that kind of thing because uh, he went off to become a barber, but then uh, and limo, uh, sorry, um, Jay left as well. But then there's been pictures of them doing some US tours, and Jay and limo have been there, like as guests, <laughs> hanging around, you know, and stuff. So it seems to be like a, a family. You sort of drift in and out 
of well, time spent with them, which sounds sounds wonderful. Knowing knowing that it's all you know the the live show is all coming to an end, you I think you'd uh, it would be very sad not to be there if you've been part of that family for all those decades. Yeah, and if there were any slightly crosswords or or anything like that, it's probably best to uh, to diffuse any of those. But I don't think there were any to be fair. So anyway. <laughs> Come to the most important question, mm. John. Who is your favourite member of NoFX? Ah, huh. um, I think if I was to sit down and not have a drink with someone, it would be Smelly. Um, I think it, these days you you would probably have the most. Uh, most interesting conversation with Smelly because he's probably got the best recollection of events um, for the last ten or twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're they're all nice guys, I think. Um, you know, they've got great personalities, and that I think that's part of what makes them successful as a band. That they they have got these personalities, even as I was saying before. Before you, you know, you saw a lot of photographs or, or videos of what they looked like. I remember, like I think on the back of. Um, uh, I heard they suck live. There's like these little caricatures of them with like massive heads and little bodies. Yeah. And I, I seem to remember at the time, around that time, the the website had these little animated gifts that were made out of those. They did, um, yeah. As well. um, and, and in in those caricatures, Smelly's depicted with kind of like green hair and yeah. his tongue out. Um, but yeah, th- these days I think um, I'd, I'd sit down and have a good good old chat with uh, with Smelly. I think I'd go with him as my favourite. Fair. Nice. Excellent choice, excellent reason as well. Yeah, he does seem uh, he does seem very very cool. Amazing. Uh, what would you like to plug, please, John, regarding Zero Cost or any other projects you think our listeners may be interested in? Well, we've we've already plugged uh, Bradford Punk Fest in August. Um, yeah. Our our next gig is actually in Bridlington, um, oh. a coastal town in East Yorkshire. Um, we're playing at a pub called the black lion which has mm-hmm. got a fantastic music hall at the back of it it's unbelievable you walk into a pub in in old town of bridlington and the first time we played there i thought we were just probably going to set up in the corner um but then you go through some red curtains into this fantastic music hall wow. uh, we're, we're playing there with ming city rockers and spruce moose on mm. the first of march so if there's anybody listening that, that can make it to that gig, please please do come. And in terms of music, we are currently working on our second EP, but I don't have a release date. I guess it will be sometime in the summer. Nice. Uh, do you have a link tree or anything? Yeah. Uh, so it's all right. I'll just send it through. I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. People yeah. can click through and get to all of your links. But you're on Bandcamp. You've yes. got Insta and Facebook and all of the usual suspects like that. We, we do, yeah. Facebook, Insta, no Twitter anymore. We got rid of that because Twitter is a big steaming pile of trash these days. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've got we've got Linktree. We're, we're on the, all of the streaming services, so you can check us out there. Oh, perfect. There you go. Well, thank you, John of Zero Cost. You truly are one of the punk rock elite. Thanks for joining us. Thank you both. Welcome. And that was John from Zero Cost. Good chat. Good chat. Another, you know, big fan. It's always good to have like, you know, people who really know their no effects shit on this podcast. It really is. It's proper, proper good fun. And uh, yes, good. It's made me excited about 
all of the people that we get to interview uh who are probably get, a lot of them are going to be connected to the uh tribute album i'm not gonna not gonna sure. lie but we wouldn't invite someone onto the tribute album if we didn't want to interview them as well absolutely and you know they're all going to be no effect super fans on this uh compilation so it makes sense to get them on the show yeah. um I, I really like that john had some really interesting answers i didn't expect someone to choose a live album as their best no effects album yeah no that's great i think that's uh but but i think it also does make total sense when uh john gave his reasons it was like yeah yeah obviously obviously it is and it is that thing of you know I think I sort of still prefer Heard They Suck Live to uh, They've Got an Even Worse Live Mm -hmm. only because I've spent more time with it and it it feels like an old friend and it is that older even though probably I fuck with more of the songs from um, Gotten Worse just because obviously this you know, I heard they suck live is is pre slat fats, pre valum, pre errorism, pre wolves. Yeah. You know, there's so many iconic no effects moments that aren't on there. Yeah. But there's something about the Hefe's still the new guy mm-hmm. uh, exciting sort of thing. It's not a lot of drug talk on it, so that's kind of fun. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's a bit rose-tinted, but um, it's its a solid bit of work. Yeah, brilliant yeah. stuff. Cool. Uh, you got anything coming up? Oh, just this practice tomorrow. I'm really looking oh, forward yeah. to, to getting yeah. in the practice room. I've, I've, I've said it today that it's tomorrow, and I'm still slightly surprised that it Obviously- is. At time of recording. It's At tomorrow. time of recording, it's tomorrow, yeah. So I'm just looking around going, that is a weird thing to be. So, uh, so yeah, that's... Uh, oh, how exciting. And it's really weird. Like, I've, I've been told, because I'm sort of, you know, clinically miserable, I've been told, oh, ha- have things to look forward to. I just forget they're happening until they're happening. So even the, you know, I'm sure I love it, but it's not really benefited me from looking forward to it because I kept forgetting. It always felt like it was a thousand years away and then it's suddenly now. So yeah, good. Well, I'll look forward to it as much as I can before. I mean, we'll be, yeah, we're about 26 hours away from actually starting the rehearsal. So that's exciting. <laughs> cool. Well, um, Punk Rock Elite Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on this or anything else no effects related. Um not gonna lie, I have seen the uh the numbers the last two episodes have done, and um it has been less popular. <laughs> I think some people just haven't watched it uh yet and so are saving it, but I totally understand. We did we did review musical theatre on a punk podcast. I mean <laughs> I think that's fucking punk, okay? I think that is <laughs> Alright, fine. Do you know what actually now I'm doubling down? Fuck you everyone. Next week we're doing Phantom. <laughs> no, we're not. We'll be doing we'll be doing something else. But Hamilton, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously Hamilton, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um 
we'll be doing all of that. So uh, we're doing seven brides to seven brothers next week. So um, <laughs> yeah, we don't know what we're doing next week, but it won't be musical theatre. Um, so yeah, uh, no, I, I I I do get it. I I still stand by those episodes. I think uh, we did brilliantly. I think Kate was magnificent, but uh, we do understand we are going to be keeping it a bit more OG. Is this what Rancid felt like when they did Life Won't Wait? I think so, yeah. I think it's exactly the same. Okay, fine. Well, that makes me feel a bit better then. So, um, fine. So, next week we'll be doing Rancid 2000. How's about that? And Red is going to remember that they were a skinhead all along. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the adventure thank you so much for listening everyone we really do appreciate it uh thank you ever so much red thank you eddie bye everybody thank you for listening to punk rock elite it was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by eddie french and red redmond if you're not following us on instagram or subscribe to the podcast please do the main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.